to the Crossum Wrestling Entertainment Podcast. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the long-awaited episode number 10, ladies and gentlemen. 10, I know. Uh, hashtag throwback to Ty Dillinger's days over in the WWE, but now ah, he is Sean Spears, and we are talking AEW, but hey, we'll still do oh, that episode yeah. 10 chant because that was a, a high point for me when I was younger and obviously much more of a mark than I am now when it comes to <laughs> being a wrestling fan. So hey, welcome to episode 10. I am Noah Cross. That over there is Tyler Bard, and yes. we are going to get rolling with all of the happenings of the latest episode of AEW Dynamite. Uh, not a, I tell you, I wouldn't say this was a jam-packed show that we're used to. I mean, I, no. I, I'd say that they kind of kept it uh, mellow in the sense of the number of matches. Would you agree with that? Which I think is fine. I think they need to do that from time to time because if they just keep giving us this overwhelmingly incredible material every single week, it could potentially get dry. And then, mm-hmm. God forbid, they have one bad week. People are going to be say they're losing it. So they got to really, they got to start finding a coasting ground rather than being incredible every single week. Yeah, absolutely. I could agree with that. You know, like it was nice to see a few big names. And one thing I will say is with the less amount of matches and segments, they were able to allow the matches to go longer. I mean, yeah. Um, Eva Luno and Hangman Page got a lot of time. Kip Saban and Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss and Miro got a lot of time. Uh, Brody Lee and Orange Cassidy got a lot of time. The, the women's tag right. team match got a lot of time, which we'll get to later. Uh, and then the main event, obviously, uh, had a good amount of time. See, we'll, we'll get to that. I saw your reaction. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, but, hey, this night kicked off. Let's dive right into it with uh, Miro and Kip Saban with Penelope Ford versus Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. Uh, Superbad Kip Saban introduced the best man Miro ahead of their match. In a pre-taped interview, Joey Janela warned Saban about tying the knot with Penelope Ford. Uh, Superbad kept the best man out of the action until uh, until he found himself overwhelmed by Janela and Sunny Kiss. Tyler, I wasn't a fan of Miro not getting into this match from the beginning. Like I just kind of yeah, the whole like holding him back thing. I I didn't like that. It didn't sit well with me. What did you feel about that? Yeah, that didn't really make all that much sense. I thought this was, and as much as I like uh, wrestlers like Sunny Kiss and Joey, I thought this should have been more of a squash than it, than an even bout. Because um, I, I feel like Miro should be pushed to the top of the card, and it looks like they're going to balance him at about a mid-card position. Um, yeah. But it, I don't know. It, we'll see. I, I guess he has to prove himself. There's already a lot of guys at the top of the card. Um, so he's just got to prove that he's the guy who's going to be able to do it. Absolutely. And I will say it's early as well. I mean, he, this is his first match, right? He just got yeah, here. Sure. Um, but I just kind of feel like if you're this early, you kind of give you a little bit of fire underneath you to get some some uh, fans behind you. But the fans are really behind him anyway. So uh, Miro threw both competitors around with ease by the time he got into the ring. And after a bad fall, Miro seemed to have hurt his ankle, allowing the bad, bad boy to backfire on both heels. However, the best man quickly healed and got back into the fight. Uh, he and Saban injured Janela on the apron, uh, the left uh, concrete on Rose to take the to take a sidekick, um, and the game over for the tap out. So Tyler, all in all, I thought this was a good way to start the show. I always like yeah. having a tag team match with a good amount of action. Uh, I like that they're the calling the uh, the submission game over. I like yes. that. That's that's and, a really good name. I do like that. And Jim Ross did, however, throw in that accolade word. On the commentary desk uh, later. Jim Ross does a lot of questionable things every single week. 
But I, I, I liked it. I liked it. He said that's quite the accolade of a submission maneuver that Mort Nero <laughs> just used. <laughs> and I was like, hey, there you go, Jim Ross. I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't think it was a terrible thing. And I know a lot of people can't stand Jim Ross. I like Jim Ross, so I don't care. No, um, I like Jim Ross. I just think it's time for Jim Ross to not be the lead commentator anymore. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, I, he should be like an occasional guy. Mm, okay. I, I see. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I got you. Um, all in all, this was a great way to start the show here on this uh, September 23rd episode of AEW Dynamite. And it's also nice to hear fans in the crowd. As um, yeah. many of you who are uh, Dynamite fans or AEW fans probably know that they're doing limited capacity on uh, a lot of their shows so that's really cool really fun to see uh you know some fans getting there getting some genuine cheers and genuine boos and emotion uh going through these matches and this match definitely benefited from the crowd uh next up on our AEW dynamite night was hangman adam page versus evil uno tyler want to take us through this one yeah, so this was another match that I was actually kind of looking forward to because, as, as you know specifically, I actually really like Evil Uno. Um, I think he can go. He's one of the guys who I think is going to break out of the Dark Order eventually and get his own push. Um, but, yeah, so the Dark Order watched from the stage as Evil Uno attempted to take down Hangman Adam Page. Uh, Kenny Omega had joined them on commentary as well, which seems to be a recurring theme for the Hangman matches. Uh, Hangman took an early lead, throwing Uno out of the ring. However, the Dark Order members found an opening to cheat. As always, uh, Uno told the Dark Order to head to the back only to get slammed onto the apron, which is the hardest part of the ring. My Hangman, the momentum turned and Hangman did not let up until he connected on the buckshot lariat and won the match. So I kind of, there's been this character development um, for Evil Uno that it almost looks like he's trying to uh, get stuff done on his own and not use the uh, members of the Dark Order as much. And he's been the only one um, that has been compassionate towards his teammates when they lose, because he's also been on the, you know, the end of the stick with uh, Mr. Brody Lee. So he's taken the raft before. Um, so maybe him and Colt Cabana could eventually start an uprising within. Um, and I think this is the early, uh, early beginning of that. Um, but I could be wrong. I could be also reading way too much into it. Um, but, and you know, as, as that ended, Tony uh, found the young back young bucks backstage after that. And uh, Matt Jackson explained that he and his brother, Nick had been through so much and felt disrespected by hangman and maybe some other members of the elite. Um, and then when Tony mentioned FTR, uh, he took Tony's phone away and smashed it against the wall. Um, yeah, the yeah. young bucks need to be held accountable for their actions, Mister. <laughs> uh, all right. I mean, I don't know about the young bucks and their emotions getting the best of them, um, but I, I also don't know if I can agree with this. I guess enjoyment of Evil Uno. I mean, I like him. He's good. This was a good match. I just think it's a little weird. It's kind of it doesn't do it for me in the sense of like excitement. Like, the Dark Order is just kind of a thing that's there. Besides, like, Brody Lee. Oh, man, that's rude. Besides Brody Lee, I, I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. Like, them all standing on the on the ramp there and watching the matches every time. It's like, all right. And then, by the, and then like, the whole point of having that heel group there with you is so they can get involved and help you win. And then he's like, oh, no, leave. And then he just ends up losing. Like, how does yeah, that Yeah, which sense? is why I think he's going to be the one who eventually turns. Yeah, but he told them to leave. 
Right. That's, like a, that's the biggest baby face thing in the world. Like exactly. That, that, literally. That's like last uh, you look at Clash of Champions, for example, where Jey Uso is like, no, no, leave. I got this and this and that. Like if he wanted to win, he'd be like, nah, help me cheat. That's right, what he'll do. He, that's what I'm saying is he's going to be the one who turns on them eventually. And he's no. he doesn't have the same mindset as they do. No. Because they want to cheat to win. Right, and he said right. to, he said to leave so that he could do it as himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just not gonna fly there. All right. All right. I guess we'll see which direction that one takes. Uh, but yeah, all in all, obviously, like I said it was a good match. Hangman Adam Page is always fun to watch. So that was a great piece of action here on Dynamite. Next up, uh, we got to some serious action with the TNT Championship on the line. And you there you see on your screen there on the left, Mr. Brody Lee would challenge Orange Cassidy and defend his TNT Championship. Uh, the Dark Order distracted Orange Cassidy before the match with John Silver stomping on his T-shirt while Anna Jay, uh, well, took his sunglasses, a.k.a. That's, yeah, he, right. Orange Cassidy would put his sunglasses onto Anna Jay as a bit of a taunt, which I thought was funny. Can I just say, she looked good. <laughs> um, I also say that the whole John Silver thing, like his, he would uh, Orange Cassidy put his jacket outside the ring, his jean jacket, and then John Silver stomped on it and like spit on it, and then Orange Cassidy took off his T-shirt, and then John Silver did it again, stomped on it, and, and stuff like he was trying to get the best of Orange Cassidy. Meanwhile, I'm just kind of laughing and just sitting there. But the sunglasses oh, so spot, the sunglasses spot was really funny. It just like oh, proves yeah. that it really doesn't take a lot to entertain people. In any aspect, in wrestling or anywhere else. Because Orange Cassidy literally just puts his sunglasses on another person and everyone's just like, ah! You know, like, it's the greatest thing ever. Um, yeah, and the whole Anna J spot's great, too. I think she should be our next uh, AEW Women's Champion. Oh, I'd love that. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Give all the gold um, to the Dark Order. Hey, I'm all for factions having all the gold. Uh, so, hey, Brody Lee uh, would still let Cassidy... Uh, make the first move, taking the devastating shin kicks before stomping oh. on freshly squeezed uh, feet and knocking him down. Um, so, obviously, those devastating shin kicks weren't as devastating as we might have described them, as you know. If you've I don't know what you're talking about. Orange Cassidy wrestled the match, but the crowd would make you think otherwise with their reactions, yeah. and every time Orange Cassidy would deliver one of those brutal kicks. Uh, but I will say, Brody Lee pretty much decimated Orange Cassidy in this match. Uh, Cassidy it's unfortunate. With a, with a drop kick. However, the Dark Order got involved again with the referee distracted to wear down Cassidy. The Exalted One dominated, as I said before, but furious combat. Silver actually took out 10 at ringside, which gave Cassidy the opening needed without distraction. The orange punch was followed by a series of DDTs, but the TNT champion would not stay down. The exalted one um, stomped him cold with a discus lariat to take the victory. And will I say that discus, I don't know we say a lot like, oh, that was a brutal discus lariat pretty much every time. I know, because he's so good it's at someone, it. But or, like, it looked like he clobbered him upside the head and not the chest with that one. Like Orange Cassidy took that like a champion. Even yeah, though he lost, and it's not changing. Well, Orange, Orange Cassidy's selling ability kind of reminds me of Dolph Ziggler. He's just the best at selling everyone's move. Um, okay. So I really enjoy his wrestling ability, even when he's losing. He makes it look great. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. And obviously, this was a fun match. It was a good time to watch. And to me, this kind of just tells me, at least, and it should really tell anyone, that Orange Cassidy could easily have a big spot 
in any form of wrestling. Like he could be a champion. He could easily be TNT champion. He could easily be AEW champion. I don't know if you agree with that, but to me, he has enough draw and excitement surrounding him to be able to put some asses in seats. What do you, I mean, do you yeah, agree with that? Absolutely. Disagree with that? Hundred percent, hundred percent. He's he's one of the top five in AEW right now. Yeah, I I think he's just fun to watch. Like it's just exciting, you know. When I see him, I, I have to convince uh you know Mark WWE fans uh to like Orange Cassidy. They're like, well, that gimmick's ridiculous. I go, y'all like Doink the Clown and Kamala back in the day. <laughs> if you can't get behind Orange Cassidy, um, you have a serious uh, identity crisis going on as a mm. WWE fan. Um, yeah, so. People need to stop uh, going so much, uh, taking one side over the other, even though I'm a big AEW fan, and just start appreciating wrestling for what it is again, and we'll have a better product. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. After the match, there was a lot of excitement as Cody made his dramatic return with his new look, black hair, all black clothing, looking like he's just going to come in there and, I mean, destroy everyone in his path. And that's kind of what he did because he ran through the Dark Order, hitting five uh, with the Cody cutter, then slamming his leg into the steel post. Lee walked out on five as his, fo- as his followers tapped out uh, to the figure four leg lock. Backstage, the Exalted One challenged Cody to a dog collar match, giving him one week to decide. Oh, boy. I mean, we did say that. I hated this. What? Cody should have been gone for at least another month. This didn't feel exciting when he returned to me. I was just like, oh, look, Cody. What? And he he looks like uh, the villain from Lazy Town. Uh, Oh, my God. You did. I know know you're a big Cody fan. but why why so quick? If Brody Lee really beat him down that bad where he needed to be gurneyed out, he should have at least come back kind of torn up. He came back like he leveled up and was suddenly going super sane. Um, so I just I don't understand why they did it so quickly. I I disagree. I I don't think he wanted to be gone too too long because I mean I feel like we just kind of get stale and boring. Like, he just had this one match with Brody Lee and Orange Cassidy. It kind of got our minds a little bit off of the Cody thing, but it was still there. It was still fresh. And him coming back uh, on Wednesday was like, the oh, crap, here's Cody. Let's do this. Because none of us thought that was the end of their beef. Nobody. Nobody well, said no. Brody Lee and Cody were done. So, like, I, I, don't, no. I don't see why you, I guess, push it too far. Like, I feel like a month would have been a while. I just, no, it was already a month, man. It was like, I'm saying uh, another got- month. Another month would have been too long. I, I disagree because those big returns, the one I always point to with a big returns shocking the hell out of someone is the Undertaker returning at the Royal Rumble coming after Randy Orton. Um, mm. Look at him. Look at, yeah. look at He looks insane. Yes. Joe, if you can, uh, for me, look up the villain from Lazy Town no. and put them side by side, I would appreciate that. Do not do because that. Because they look exactly the same, except the villain from Lazy Town doesn't have a dumb neck tattoo. Do not, um, do not do that. <laughs> I need it, Joe. You're going to laugh because you're going to see how true it is. I forget. And then we can, we can sing the Lazy Town theme song every time Cody comes out now. Um, but I, I get it. I'm happy Cody's back. I just wish they had waited a little bit. There he is. Look at him. Oh it's the same gosh. person. Look at him. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right. No. No. It is not. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my oh. I'm making a meme out of that later. Look at that comparison. There's the villain, and here comes Cody. Ready? Look at how similar they are. They look exactly the same. That is insane. Look at it. They're like twins. <laughs> next up in the evening. Next Robbie up in the Rotten. evening. 
Uh, Isaiah Cassidy would demand a shot at Chris Jericho. All right. All right. I get it. I get it. All right. He does. He does look like him. All right. I can't even. I can't even we pretend. Can move on from your your that he doesn't. Sanity. I can't even pretend that he doesn't. All right. You, you get that one. Okay. All right. And I'll be honest. I didn't even think about. Like, and, I, and I've watched Lazy Town, and I didn't even make that comparison of Robbie Rotten and Cody Rhodes. That's funny, though. <laughs> I couldn't uh, remember his name. Thank you, Joe. Robbie Rotten. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, All right. Hey, Isaiah Cassidy would come out and demand a shot at Chris Jericho. Tyler, want to talk us through that one? Yeah, so this, I didn't actually expect it to end the way it did. So Matt Hardy came out to the ring to address being attacked last week. We didn't get to talk about that. Um, because last week we uh, had to cancel the show for a, uh, a personal reason for Noah. He had something going on. Um, but Matt Hardy was attacked last week uh, and someone blew his knee out. And it's, he said he felt like he was attacked by a baseball bat. And the only person backstage was Chris Jericho and Jake Hager with none other than Chris Jericho's baseball bat. Um, the inner circle arrived as um, Private Party and Matt Hardy made their way down to the ring and announced the return of Sammy Guevara to complete their group um, that uh, the demigod said, though, that he is not behind the attack on Matt Hardy, but will gladly come down to the uh, ring to in, uh, put more damage on that broken knee. Uh, Mark Queen and Isaiah Cassidy stepped in to defend their mentor, and Cassidy said uh, that he wanted that fight more than his uh, tag team partner, Mark. Uh, the demigod explained in an interview backstage that he looked forward to Cassidy's future but only after he humbled him a little bit next week. Uh, and then there was, of course, that segment we could talk about in a moment um, with MJF. But I'm actually pretty excited for this because, and Noah, I, I don't know if you remember me texting you about this promo, um, but Isaiah's promo against Chris Jericho was like if you put a five-year-old up against CM Punk um, <laughs> because it was insanely uh, cringy because, you know, on TNT – these guys are allowed to swear a little bit. And he basically called him like a poo-poo head. Uh, and Chris Jericho still somehow made poo-poo head sound incredible because he looked super offended by it. Well, because this is um, Chris Jericho we're talking about. I mean, right. And he didn't even have to say anything. And I was like, wow, screw you, Isaiah Cassidy. He called him, him a poo-poo head. Look how, look how upset Chris Jericho is. He's very sad. You call him a poop. So, you know, um, that, that part of it was pretty, pretty decent. Um, but it was the promo he cut backstage that was more incredible when he met face-to-face with MJF. Uh, and just, did, uh, did you see that promo in full, Noah? No, I did not. I did not catch Oh, that my God. <laughs> so called, they were calling, I think they called each other a bitch. I forget if that's the exact word. Um, but then they were both saying like, I didn't call you a bitch. You called me a bitch. And they kept going back and forth and back and forth. And he's just like, but I respect the shit out of you. He's like, I respect the shit out of you. You're all right, Chris. You're all right, MJF. And then they just left. <laughs> it's like, all right, good talk, boys. Two of the I best like, um, That was similar to like the, the spot where they both got out of their cars and they said it's yeah. each other. They shook hands. They're like, oh, hey, how's it going? Oh, great, great, great. And they walked away and they were both like at the same time <laughs> about each other. What a loser. <laughs> so I think that was funny. it actually. They called each other a loser. I think that's ah, what they were okay. talking about. Okay. Yes. Yes. Which is good. It's, it's funny to see that heel dynamic, you know, of them beefing with each other and, and just bickering back and forth a little bit. 
I don't think Imagine this for a moment, if you would. He joins Chris Jericho in the inner circle. Is he a Cassidy? No, no, no. MJF. MJF. Um, I mean, destroys them from the inside, fights Jericho, and takes it over. Okay, I could get with that. I could uh, get with that. I'd uh, like it. It would be uh, obviously we'd have like a heel heel dynamic because there ain't no. I mean, no, actually, that would turn Jericho face. I feel. Um, yeah, but again, we can push it back to what had happened with um, the new Nexus, where it was heel heel. You had uh, CM Punk going up mm-hmm. against Wade Barrett for leadership mm-hmm. of the Nexus. Um, so we do something like that. I'd be all about it. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. No, I wouldn't mind but that at all. We don't know if that's going to happen yet. Yeah, we don't know. But hey, for now, this will be a good match next week. Uh, we'll do a preview of all of next week at the end of the show today, as we usually do. So we have some, or should I say this week, to have something to look forward to. So yes. with that being said, let's dive into this segment here with the FTR as they institute the 20-minute brush with greatness rule. Tyler, yes. what did you think of what you think of this? I don't know. It's kind of uh, <laughs> this this segment felt kind of just show offish, you know, with okay. Tully Blanchard coming down and they just I don't know. It it felt really dumb um, that they're giving the uh, they're not giving the best friends this uh, tag team championship and they're giving it to SCU instead. Um, their initial challengers are going to be the uh, SCU. Uh, but the best friends came down pissed off because they've been one of the best tag teams in AEW right now. So I, I don't understand why SCU is getting this shot. SCU has been fighting a lot of singles matches right now. So yeah, what, yeah. what were they possibly thinking here, except maybe that FTR, if they get to pick their own opponent, why not pick someone that they think they can beat? Yeah, I mean, sure, they pick something they think they can beat, or in all honesty, SCU is kind of an, a very established tag team already. Um, maybe they're just kind of saying, oh, we'll take out these, you know, veterans and these older guys and we'll go after another team like Jurassic Express or Private Party, something like that. So, you know, I, I could see them going that route as well. Um, I, I but... think the best friends will ultimately be the ones that dethrone them potentially. Um, if they're going to go this route now, I, you know, I've said, I've said Jurassic express in the past. Um, but I think they could potentially be the best friends because with this route, I feel like it's going to be them chasing a title opportunity and never getting it. Uh, and then ultimately the, the time they finally get it, maybe at the next all out, um, they will get to win those titles. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I could see that. That would definitely be an exciting feud and an exciting bout to see best friends and FTR go at it. Two very different dynamics of a tag team. That would be. Uh, no, would be for some reason they're still fighting Santana and Ortiz for the 70,000th <laughs> time. <laughs> but hey, that'll be fun to see. Uh, back to the action, some uh, women's action here in AEW Women's Division. We had Hiroku Shida and Thunder Rosa versus no, Ivy and Diamante. Oh you yeah, just that. say it because uh, you got you you have to just say Hikaru? it. Remember, Hikaru. Thank it's you. It's just Hikaru. Hik- it's not that hard. Look at how. Where do you get the R in the beginning there? I, don't, I just it just happens when I'm just talking. I just talk. Uh, Hikaru <laughs> Shida and Thunder Rosa hey. versus Ivelisse and Diamante. Hikaru Shida took some time to find chemistry with Thunder Rosa. However, uh, physicality of Ivelisse and Diamante woke up the pair. The AEW Women's Champion fought back while the NWA Women's Champion backed her up. 
Sheeta hit the Falcon Arrow on Diamante, but Ivelisse made the save. Rosa took Ivelisse out of the ring, which allowed the AEW Women's Champion to connect with a sliding knee on Diamante to take the win. Um, Sheeta and Rosa defeated Ivelisse and Diamante, obviously, to end that bout. I honestly thought this was a pretty good women's match. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they killed did, it. They, they did all right. Um, I'm, I'm happy to see that they're actually getting some actual incredible offense. That Falcon Arrow was pretty nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the running knee strike was really nice. Um, and then I'm actually kind of shocked, though, because I feel like Thunder Rosa and Sheeta are going to have another title match here. Um, so I thought it would have made more sense for Ivelisse and Diamante, who have been the most uh, destructive female tag team, to get a win here to make a little bit more of a rift between Sheeta and Rosa. But either way, the match was well done. Yeah, I, I would agree. There was a lot of hard-hitting action. As you said, that Falconero was gorgeous. Uh, they had a lot of other great moves throughout the night. And it was uh, very physical in the sense that they were brawling outside of the ring, inside the ring, over the barricades and such. So they were all over the place. And as we said at the beginning of the show, it was nice to see that they had a good amount of time. They were able to get a lot of time. They were able to get in there and just have a match. They didn't feel rushed. didn't feel overproduced. It just felt like a genuine wrestling match between two fantastic tag teams of women. So, job well done, AEW, and job well done uh, to the four very talented women in this match. It was awesome to watch. Absolutely. Next up was our main event of the evening where the AEW world champion, John Moxley, defended his championship against Eddie Kingston. Tyler, before we get into the details of this match, I'm just going to precursor it. I was disappointed with the finish. Uh, Same here. Um, It was not – you know what? I think that's because they're setting up the match, the triple threat. They didn't want this to be incredibly over-the-top. Uh, wild because they are setting up a match down the line where uh, Lance Archer will join them in a triple threat match for the title. Um, yeah. That could, That's the only reason. And Lance Archer, um, I'm, I don't think we were able to talk about it last week, um, is out right now uh, because he has tested positive for the coronavirus. Yep. Um, so that's why we didn't see him this week. He will be back uh, after the 14-day quarantine is up and he tests negative for the virus. Um, so uh, rest up. Lance Archer, we'll see you soon. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you, Noah. It was a little lackluster to finish the night. Yeah, but we'll uh, go through the details of that match now. So, early in the night, Eddie Kingston marched to the ring and called out John Moxley. He labeled him a sellout and demanded to meet him in the ring. AEW cut to commercial break to gain control before the two got too physical early. Um, the two started slow in the main event as the Mad King taunted Moxley into bringing out his vicious side. The chops got stiffer until the AW World Champion could only find air with a clothesline. Moxley, that part could, was awesome. Dude. Yeah, that was part fantastic. was really good. Those chops, mm. I, like I could feel them. I could. It reminded me of seeing Daniel Bryan's chest at the Royal Rumble when he got uh, just lit up and his chest was ab- just red. And that's mm. what it felt like here. Two indie stars who have fought each other for years, uh, just giving everything they've got in the middle of the ring. Absolutely. Uh, Moxley could not connect with the paradigm shift early, but he managed to turn a close struggle into a pile driver for a near fall. Kingston survived a superplex uh, and hit a pair of dropkick drivers. Mox countered Kingston's back this into a sleeper hold and transitioned into a bulldog choke for the tap out. Uh, as we said before, it was kind of just a 
did he tap out or did he not? Which was the thing that the announcers were saying. It looked like maybe he passed out and the ref said he was unconscious um, and that kind of thing. So I just felt like for these two big stars, could have been a better finish. But as you said, they could be leading into something bigger, which is why we're going to have this transition match per se. I'm Uh, almost okay with them leaving it up in the air, though, because it leaves another reason for Eddie Kingston to say, I got screwed. Um, so he can he can keep that Christian gimmick going of one more match. I deserve a rematch, uh, and and keep that alive. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, after that decision was after I say it was decided by the referee. To be honest, um, Pentagon and Phoenix stormed the ring and tried to take out Moxley. Will Hobbs and Darley Ho- Ab- Allen made the save as they usually do, and we've seen this res- uh, recipe a few times now. But Ricky Starts attacked Allen from behind. Uh, the heels stood tall to end the show. Um, I mean, it was a fun way to end the show with a lot of people in the ring, a lot of action. There were skateboards being driven into people's backs and heads and everything else. Uh, we had a lot of great talent in the ring. But again, I just didn't feel that the finish of the match was as exciting as I would like a main event to be. Sure. And, it, and one part I did like, though, it almost felt like Eddie Kingston had an Obi-Wan moment with John Moxley, where he was holding him in his hands after he was, like, passed out. He was like, you were the chosen one, John. <laughs> um, he was literally, like, holding on to his head. And, like, oh, you turned. You were supposed to defeat the dark side, not join them. That's almost mm-hmm. what it felt like. He betrayed the indie stars and became the big sellout, quote, quote, oh. that Eddie Kingston is calling him. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. it almost felt like it was like, uh, that, you know what I mean? The last moment in, uh, you know, Revenge of the Sith, where, uh, you know, he chaps Anakin in half and then cries about it. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> spoil, spoiler alert. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, the more we've been talking about it here, Noah, the more I hate it less Um, because (laughs) it really, it's good storytelling. It didn't leave us with this spectacular. We knew Eddie Kingston wasn't walking away with the title during a a dynamite episode here. True. Um, So to end it with a controversy, lets the story continue. Mm. Okay. No, for sure. I I like the whole controversy angle better. Obviously. I think if you just don't look into it too deep, um, which is what I was doing in the sense of just saying it was a weird finish, uh, then it makes more sense that way. If they're going to continue it and maybe eventually get into a triple threat scenario with Moxley, Archer, and Kingston, or maybe get Kingston to rematch down the road. Well, they did announce that. It was very brief. Mm -hmm. They did announce that that title match that uh, Archer had earned, um, AEW said Kingston actually was never properly eliminated from that match, so he has been inserted into that title match. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you for the correction there. Yes, sir. So that'll be exciting to see once Archer is healthy. Archer, again, please rest up. We can't wait to see you back. And Joe, Joe would love to see you back because you, he was your, uh, you, you were That's his pick guy. in the battle Royal. <laughs> so uh, next, uh, we're going to dive into a preview of next week. Well, actually, before we do that, Tyler, what would you give this episode of AEW out of five? Because we're wrestling marks and that's what we do. Out of five, I will give it, a 3.9. I was going to go three and a half. It, so you're more generous it, than I am. It just passed. Um, if it, you know, within a wrestling grade, I, I can't quite give it a, uh, a B. So mm-hmm. I'd give it a C plus. Yep. I'd agree. I'd go three and a half. You were a little more generous than me. I thought it was good. There were, there were a couple there were, the action was good. And I like the time that people were giving. Episode. 
Yeah, definitely storytelling episode. episode. Which honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I we think need that once in a while. I always say that the ending of of any show, no matter what kind of show it is, needs to be something that leaves you with the yeah. But this didn't really do it for me, and that kind of that ruined it, to be honest. Um, with the main event finish. Anywho, diving into this upcoming episode of AEW Dynamite, as we discussed before, Chris Jericho will take on Isaiah Cassidy in a singles bout on September 30th episode of AEW Dynamite on TNT. That'll be very exciting to see a big match for Isaiah Cassidy. I mean, maybe the biggest Huge. in his career so far to go against he, the he champion. Beat him a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So that'll be exciting to see. Um, next, Tyler and I's favorite, Britt Baker, will be in action. Uh, Tyler, Tyler is overjoyed. I know I'm overjoyed. I can't wait to see Britt Baker back in action. She's, you know, she should be in action every night. It's just, I don't know why we're announcing this. She's a dentist and a wrestler. I mean, what kind of role model besides Bailey? I mean, these two, if they had a tag team, I don't even know. I, I, they couldn't make the shirt fast enough. And I would buy it. I'm cringing so hard right now. All right, gosh. All right, we'll get off with the Britt Baker train. Uh, FTR versus SCU, as we referenced before. That'll be exciting to see. This is going to be a down and dirty battle, and it's going to be a genuine wrestling match, to say the least. Uh, There'll be a lot of punches thrown in this one. This is going to be a. Oh, yeah. Throwing cold hooks match right here. And I'll say this. I know FTR is, is, are all about the all fists. Um, no flips, just fists, I should say. But Scorpio Sky does not care about that. He's going to be all over the place. So I'm excited to see this match. Very dyna- different dynamics here in terms of wrestling styles. Uh, Ricky Starks versus Darby Allen will be another match that we'll see next week. That'll be a good uh, bout of action there with Taz and Ricky Starks' corner. Um, this match will be exciting. You know, there's two guys who move around a lot. Uh, we'll see what type of tricks Darby Allen might pull out of his bag, and maybe we'll see some skateboard shots. Uh, it would be a good prediction there. Yeah, I'll be maybe. For those, maybe. No spoilers. Actually, that's a spoiler. You're going to see a skateboard <laughs> shot. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, next week, you will see our AEW World Champion, John Moxley, in action. That'll be exciting. I'm not sure uh, what we'll be looking forward to for him to be doing. I don't but, know what that means. I'm, yeah. I'm concerned. Is that like going to be like an open challenge, maybe? Uh, I don't know if it's a challenge. He just defended against Kingston, but maybe he fights, um, maybe like I. You know what? I'd love to see him fight like Penta like or, Penta or maybe? Phoenix. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that'd be fun to see him fight Penta. Uh, granted, that match could main event any show in any arena. In and yeah, but John Moxley versus Penta's, Penta. Hot take, real quick. I think Penta is being treated unfairly, uh, and Penta should be one of the top stars in AEW right now. I know uh, we say that about a lot of guys, but we have seen Penta live. Penta is one of the most incredible in-ring performers in the world right now. Mm. Um, so I think Penta deserves a, a push, even as a singles wrestler, potentially. I could, I would agree with that 100%, and I'd make that same argument for Phoenix, to be honest. Right, Phoenix is unbelievable. I'd love to see him in some type of feud as well. Uh, and not really, and not just in a group where he's just kind of being told what to do, you know? Uh, so yeah. it would be cool to see either of those two take on Moxley. Uh, that there you go. That's no one Tyler's prediction for who Mox's opponent might be. Phoenix or Penta. Phoenix or Penta would be awesome. I'd say Penta probably more than Phoenix, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, and then they had a special announcement here, which gets all you Jericho-holics get ready. You like that there, see Jericho-holics? Yeah. That was a call. That was a big throwback. Uh, on October seventh, there will be a celebration of the thirty years of Jericho. Oh, get ready. Order order your champagne now. There might be a shortage. All right, uh, the bubbly <laughs> is going to any. be <laughs> is going to be good. 
All right. You want to be ready for this? Do you know what happens when you use an old Jericho WWE reference? (laughs) Do you know what happens? You just made the list. Yeah. So when I use an old reference, you use another reference, another old reference. (laughs) There we go. That was perfect. That was the joke. Hey, but let's put it this way. Uh, we have all these references because a guy like Jericho is celebrating 30 freaking years uh, of baby. Jericho. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing, to say the least. Blue so champion, baby. make sure you tune in, put it on your calendars. This is the biggest holiday of the year besides Christmas. Uh, Chris Jericho's 30-year celebration uh, anniversary. Or do you mean of- Christmas? All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> hey, joe can you put up uh that picture again of cody rose thank you oh my it was so ready it was, he was so ready with it too like it was instant <laughs> look at Good i can't man. even tell if that's cody or not anymore i have no idea oh there's that Good bad man. guy there is a cody right there there he is oh, oh man this is good I no, I think uh, that's a good note to end on right there. Just that face. We'll keep it right there. For it is. Well, yeah, you can keep. Um, what's his name there? What's his name again? Ronnie something. Ronnie Robbie. Ron, it's Rob Robbie Danger. Robbie Robbie, Robbie Ryan. Yes. All right. Well, <laughs> hey. Uh, if you love podcasts, visit clovercrestmedia.com for a wide selection of great shows covering sports, business, relationships, pop culture, politics, and true crime. 26 shows on the hashtag CMG network. And if you don't find one you like, start one of your own. We can help you launch your podcast for as little as $15 a month. Clovercrestmedia.com is the website to visit. Make sure you check it out and tell your friends all about it. You can visit Clovercrestmedia.com and click on the link for the latest on your favorite CMG sports podcast, as well as blogs, videos, and latest information. From Robbie Rotten, Tyler Bard, I'm Noah Cross. Thank you so much for joining us for episode number Number 10 of Crossum Wrestling Entertainment. Listening to the Crossum Wrestling Entertainment Podcast.